Welcome to Coin Talk. I'm Aaron Lammer. My co-host is Jay Kang. This is our second and a ongoing series of mailbag episodes. What does that mean? If you're unfamiliar with what a mailbag show is, you, the listener, have sent us emails, maybe tweeted at us, and we are answering your questions here on the air with no preparation or background, so probably some of this stuff is going to be wrong. And additionally, none of this is ever investment advice. It is, however, available in transcript form over there with our partners at Medium. In fact, they've got lots of great writing about crypto. You can find it all at me.dm slash crypto. Consider becoming a member. It unlocks unlimited articles like said transcripts for five bucks a month. Okay, here's the show. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Thursday, July 31st at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $7,698. Welcome to the second bi-quarterly Coin Talk mailbag show. How long has it been since we've done a mailbag show? Do you I know? think a few months, but I, before we start, uh, I wanted to read something that our friend Niraj just sent us. Are we uh, allowed to publicly acknowledge that we know Niraj on the program? I guess we've done that before. It's the other crypto Niraj, we can say that. Uh, the other, there's another <laughs> one? <laughs> All right, so this is from Ripple. Yeah. And Ripple has an event called Swell, which I imagine is a nice metaphor being like Ripple. The, the Ripple is swelling into a wave. Whoever on the marketing team came up with that must have just been like, yes, after they thought of it. Yeah, it's actually not bad. It's not bad. We're thrilled to announce Bill Clinton as a keynote speaker for this year's Swell by Ripple. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what uh, Bill Clinton's speaking fee uh, represented in Ripple is. I cannot wait for... Bill speak Clinton's spe speaking fee easily could be several million Ripple. Uh, do you think he took it in Ripple? Or I not? don't know. It would be great. Uh, one of the one of the great characters on the show. We've already discussed the possibility of Ripple Trump, but uh, Ripple Bill Clinton, another great character to discuss. <laughs> if if Bill Clinton became a, a, a Ripple mega whale and was just shilling it at like Clinton Foundation events all over it's the place, be amazing. I cannot wait for Chelsea to run for president and the, and people to bring up Bill's Ripple crypto. Speaking of engagement fees. Well, Ripple is doing a lot of stuff right now. This is not a joke. Like, do you remember when Twitter first started doing outreach to celebrities? Yeah. And they started, like, onboarding them on? Yeah. Ripple is doing that now with all kinds of, like, dumb music stuff and celebrities. And like, trying to get people into Ripple. the former president of the United yeah, States. Yeah, I mean, if, if they've gotten to Bill Clinton, they've gotten through a lot of people right. already. Quick guess in U.S. dollar amounts. How much do you think Bill Clinton is being paid to speak at Swell by Ripple? I will only give you a Ripple figure. I believe Ripple is trading under a dollar right now. Five million Ripple. Five million <laughs> Ripple. <laughs> Sorry, 5 million XRP. <laughs> XRP, that, yes. hey, hey. Be, Sorry. I, I think that uh, I would guess that it's like somewhere around 800,000 US dollars. That sounds low to me. Really? I think that's how much it costs to get Bill Clinton to speak at like a reputable event. When it's ripple swell, there's the like scammers premium. What do you think Bill Clinton is going to say about cryptocurrency and ripple? I bet he's going to be like some very exciting stuff coming out from the ripple team. Joel Katz seems like a class act. 
And that's it. That's. I mean, I think he probably just gives the same speech he gives everywhere. Please send. You think he like writes an individual Ripple well, speech? I mean, I that's have no definitely idea. Definitely more. Like an actual mention of Ripple is definitely more than eight hundred thousand. What is what is he going to talk about then? Is he going to talk about like the divide in the country or something? Or yeah, like... it's probably going to be like, and we can like bridge it if we all like get behind like <laughs> the checks, unity, liberty, court. foreign remittances with low fees. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, mailbag show. Shall we open up the mailbag? Yeah, let's see. What what do our, what okay. do our listeners want? Uh, this is uh, uh, from Gil. Love the show. Making my way through the back catalog now. It's like the history of Crypto World Part 4 or something riveting. I should probably shouldn't read the parts where they praise yeah, us. Yeah, but thank you. Silently thank internalize you. that. My question for the we're not really experts. Minergate. Awesome GUI mining tool or total scam? Have you ever checked out Minergate? What's Minergate? It's somewhat similar to Honeyminer. We did a program with Honeyminer. It's just a simple GUI that you can mine with. Yep. And people are going to build more and more of these tools. For all I know, these tools are just sitting on top of open source mining software. They just give you a nice interface to connect to it, and you pay a fee to have it done for you. So it's like uh, the NOS button in Fast and Furious, where it supercharges your car. And so if you're trailing at the finish line and you flip the switch, then you... I actually have no idea what you're talking about, but yes. Okay. Okay. Well, this one's uh, this one's loaded. This is a hot. This uh, this. Uh, Wait, did no. we answer her question? Oh, is it a scam or yeah. not? I don't think it's a scam. No, I mean it's like a like it's a bad deal. I will say in it's this like, analogy that you have no idea about the DOS button does help uh, Vin Diesel get across and Paul Walker. You got. Point, I got distracted. I got distracted <laughs> by your Fast and the Furious metaphor. I've only seen like w- like Fast and Furious four. It's the only one I've seen. I think Fast and Furious. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I uh, I don't think that we should assume that everything is in, in crypto is a scam. We should more assume that most of the coins. Are scams fair okay this one's from uh sam i thought y'all might be interested in having a look at nick sable's likes on twitter it's basically crypto stuff and super terrifying including mike cernovich trump michael flynn jr lou dobbs etc he says that likes do not imply endorsement but i mean anyway this makes me even happier satoshi is still a mystery what do you make of this well satoshi first of all satoshi is not a mystery anymore Oh, he's, he's, he is excerpt Toshi. He's writing a novel. <laughs> he's excerpt Toshi, uh, wasting away in Margarita Land. I, okay, I have two thoughts about this. The first is that I don't think that likes are not endorsements is a particularly convincing thing. Yeah. The second thing I would say, and this is a more general thing, which has happened to a lot of professional athletes recently and whatever, like, I just find that the scrubbing of somebody's social media profile by the public to try and figure out something meaningful about them is both slightly illuminating and obviously at times taken way out of context and blown up way beyond proportion. And so I... I made the mistake of watching The Bachelor this year because my wife wanted to watch okay, The Bachelor. I, like, this is like you... This is me with uh, with you with Fast and Furious. I've never seen an episode Okay, of well, Bachelor. anyway, the guy who won The Bachelor... It was The Bachelor, right? The guy who sure. won... Had like liked some like fat shaming. Oh, uh, was that Instagrams. a was that a was it a uh, and and he they didn't scrub it and there was controversy. There was controversy. There was about controversy. That. Okay. So, but I would say that if this is true, then the chances that Nick Sabo, libertarian, does not kind of you know believe that Mike Cernovich is is a good actor yeah. are probably pretty low. I mean, he probably does like Mike Cernovich. Yeah, I I don't really have a problem with this. I mean, there are elements of this stuff that makes me uncomfortable and it makes me uncomfortable for like 
rooting for a world that supports like Mike Cernovich. But uh, we knew that crypto was full of weirdos. Like, what do you want? You you want your weirdos sanitized? Well, it's not even you want them weirdos. We knew that crypto was full of this specific type of weirdo, yes. right? Like by the, any means necessary, libertarians. The number of people of people in crypto who believe in PizzaGate yep. is probably higher than the general population of people who believe in crypto. I think Pizzagate. even the people who are savvy enough to know that PizzaGate is bullshit are still generally Peter Thielians, where it's like. Yeah, but Trump is going to, like, bring about the apocalypse by which, like, libertarianism will, like, yeah, rise from the ashes. Exactly. And it's like, I, whether Nick Sabo really, like, loves, like, Michael Flynn Jr. or thinks this is all part of some cosmic plan that ends in Bitcoin maximalist Mad Max universe, I think probably he is a pretty radical thinker, a pretty radical conservative libertarian thinker. Whoever made Satoshi probably is, too. Yeah, yeah. Although I agree with Sam that I am happy that Satoshi is still a mystery, and that's probably the thing I respect the most about Satoshi, is there would have been inherent politics in being Satoshi, and the way to completely eliminate yourself from that is to just become Exertoshi and move to Margarita Land. <laughs> Do you think that, but what if Nick Sabo is Satoshi? I don't think he is, because that he, he's, he's not acting like a person who's Satoshi. Yeah. He's well, acting like a person who like is Nick Sabo. This is advice for everybody, then. Uh, which is something that Aaron and I have followed somehow, which is, you know, just don't be on Twitter. Do not be on Twitter. Yeah. Jay's been, uh, I've really been enjoying Jay immensely since he's not on Twitter. Two months now. Two months, really? Two yeah. months, wow. Yeah. I did hope that when you got off Twitter, it would somehow um, jumpstart the market a little bit more, though. <laughs> the crypto market. Yeah, I thought I could achieve <laughs> that. Okay, uh, this is from Linda. I love coin talk and never miss an episode, but something has been nagging at me. When you construct an imaginary profile of this anonymous figure, Satoshi Nakamoto, you talk about his possible wife, age, character, etc. I wonder why you assume he is a man. Has it ever occurred to you, even for an instant, that Satoshi might be a woman? My theory is that Satoshi is a small team of people that includes a woman. Perhaps it's even a couple. That That's the main thrust of it. Um, I have considered that Satoshi could be a woman. I have too. I can't negate that idea until we know who satoshi is satoshi yeah, could be a look, woman i mean i don't i don't think that there's anything about like uh the type of project that bitcoin was that necessitates that it's a man i mean and i don't think it's useful to be like the number of the percentage of people who are in crypto are is x and therefore probably like who cares like we're talking about one almost person everyone is probably not satoshi nakamoto yeah. with amongst so there's men's no and women. probabilistic way to even think about it so yes linda like, we have thought about it, and this is not to be dismissive at all about it, but sure, like, I, I think that it could be a woman. I think the reason why we use the male pronoun is because the name Satoshi Nakamoto is, like, a man's name. Okay, uh, this one, this is actually a pitch we got here. So it took me almost forever, like, an hour to get all these emails out of the box because there's so many goddamn pitches in there. Yeah. But this is the best pitch we got uh, in the mail, the, the mail back. Why musician Perry Farrell? Farrell? Farrell. Why musician Perry Farrell and Hollywood filmmaker? Maybe it's Farrell. Tokenizing Heavenly Entertainment Hub. This is, of course, uh, Jane's Addiction singer Porno Perry for Farrell. Pyros, yeah. Porno for Pyros. Huge in our youth. Uh, and they've offered us uh, to connect with the uh, CEO 
who is the former president of Miramax. Wait, what is... <laughs> but what I wrote back was that we would be happy to have Perry Farrell on Cointop. Wait, but what's Perry Farrell's involvement in this? I don't understand. Um, he's collaborating with these Hollywood filmmakers to tokenize their $100 million AR, VR, multi-sensory, location-based entertainment hub known as Kind Heaven. <laughs> is that a weed reference or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, can, we, can, we, can we linger on a couple of these? Because yes. like, So Perry Farrell is involved in crypto now? I, I'm trying to get him to come on the show to talk about it. It's some sort of a, uh, AR, VR hub called Kind Heaven that's tokenized, baby. Are you a Jane's Addiction fan? I am. Me too. Uh, I would even go as far as to say I'm a Porno for Pyros fan. Yeah, me too. Great bands. Innovation. Um, uh, well, Perry you... you know, he's been, you know, he was like the founder of Lollapalooza. He's been, he's an entrepreneurial character. Yeah, but also, you know. He's like, been involved in really some like, weird rave ventures. Visionary musician. Are, are, does it concern you at all that you received this email about Perry Farrell's like uh, both economic and mind state? Uh, not at all. I, uh, my assumption was get that money, sir, get that money. <laughs> and, uh, I'd love to have him on to talk about it. Uh, we've, uh, we've sent it to his people. If you, if you know Perry, encourage him to come on. Perry, if you're listening, please come on coin. Come on, we have a lot of music questions to ask you and also about kind heaven. Is that the name? Yep. Kind okay. heaven. Stoner. You could do like a stoner cross episode. Uh, hi guys. Love the show. You talk a lot about the scam coins being over 90% of the ones out there. Could you identify five to ten projects, big or small, that are not scams and think we'll have a real user base using their products and generating revenue in five years? Uh, wow. Mm. That's from jo uh, Joshua. Well, this is not investment advice. It's not investment advice. And I would also say generating revenue seems like a big ask. Yeah, How are these coins supposed to generate revenue? They are that. revenue. Let's ignore the okay. non-scam coins. Okay, we can both agree that Bitcoin is the front runner. And I think, yes, I think Bitcoin will have Okay, but I think he years. meant other than Bitcoin and Ethereum. So let's try it. Let's see if we can do it without Bitcoin uh, and Ethereum. Okay. Will exist in five years and, and have value? I would say Monero and Zcash would be two of my picks. And without cheating and saying like Ethereum classic. Uh, That's cheating. Um, I'd give pretty good odds to Neo and some of these like larger scale coins that have real like firm foothold in other countries. What about like Zero X? I'm yeah. gonna say yes on Zero X. Okay. I think the ones that are like heavy in Silicon Valley. I assume Ripple? that. Like, yeah, I think Ripple will probably be around in five years. I mean, I agree. it would have to flame out pretty fast. Although the internet's half life is faster than we expect. Five years ago, it was. 2013 uh obama uh, was president yeah that look i don't i i think that it would be hard for us to firmly say that anything is around but i agree with your list more or less that it's like the big ones ripple monero zcash will probably be around and i don't know what state they'll be in but are you completely convinced that ethereum will be around in 2023 my prediction would be yes and when you look at like the history of Big tech firms. Let's say 2013. What are the big tech firms? Apple, Google, Facebook. I think Snapchat. Facebook was not that big in 2013. Mm, I feel like that's about when they're buying like Instagram. They're not as big as they are now, but they're big. I guess what I'm saying is we always assume that there's going to be this Facebook MySpace effect, and then there's like 10 years of Facebook. Yeah. So I think it's possible that crypto will continue along its current trajectory 
and a lot of the top players of the present will be top players of the future. That said, I think there's also a very good chance that almost all of these are scams and will go away. I agree. That was a terrible answer. We didn't really, uh, we didn't get anywhere. Yeah, I think the answer is we don't know. And maybe, uh, maybe zero. Hi, this is from Karen. My nephew bought a cold coffee last night at a grocery in Hamburg. That's in Germany. This morning, he noticed that he had a crypto coin. Karen, and she sends a picture. It's the top of like a little like mini latte. And it says uh, Project Cryptocurrency Latesso. Oh, cool. So it's like uh, giving, you know, people kind of give out weed that way. Where where have you gotten weed that way? Uh, Venice, Venice Beach. <laughs> <laughs> like people hand out little things with tiny amounts of weed attached to them. That sounds great. Wait, no, actually, I might be thinking about the movie Half Baked. Yeah, I don't think that. That's <laughs> never happened to me. But uh, I do think that like giving people like taking some of these rewards that you get at places and turning them into some kind of wacky cryptocurrency scheme is just inevitable. And I predict it will eventually have to do with the McDonald's Monopoly game. Well, I did that this morning. I got a coffee at a place, and they said, do you want a uh, loyalty star, you know, in the little, like, uh, you know, like the hub that you put your credit card in? Yeah. And I signed up. Uh, I signed up for one of those at the bagel place near here called Belly. And every time I walk within two blocks of it, it like push notifies me, oh, even no, though I don't still even have the app on. That was a mistake. It's like a. Vi- it's basically the closest I've ever gotten to a virus on the iPhone. Really? What's what's the what was the app that you downloaded? Because it uses the like wallet app or something oh my like God, that. That's a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's basically acting like it's an airline boarding pass, but it's my bagel loyalty card. <laughs> you better get in and get this bagel right now. <laughs> The bagel, the bagel plate is boarding. Okay, uh, this is from Adam, who knows an uh, old friend of mine. Uh, as writers and persons of letters, it's a, some real flattery for you, Jay. Uh, what single word or term in the crypto landscape do you think you find most troubling, problematic, or misleading? Or which one do you think most needs to be replaced? Um, the possibilities that he lists are hash, mining, wallet, fork, whale, ICO, moon most of those words are fine they're fine with me um ico is the only one where i'd be like "Eh." tell me why well because i think that that is part of the reason why people have a confusion that this thing is a security right that you're that you're investing in something other than a currency that might be worthless and that if you invest in rep for example that you in fact are buying part of the auger company which is not true i think that the sort of twinning of ICO and IPO is probably at least somewhat responsible for that. And so I would like to change the name from, you know, if it's up to me, I would change it from initial coin offering to like, you know, I don't know what the other term would be, but it'd basically just be like, hey, you want some coins for this thing? Scam. You know? <laughs> yes, giveaway, giveaway. ISO. Yeah, uh, paid giveaway. <laughs> yeah, that's basically yeah. what it is. They're paid giveaways. That's, that. I think that's the one word that I think would I would change. As for the rest of crypto, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the language that's troubling about it is the stuff that we were talking about with Cernovich before, but that's not specific to crypto. It's just kind of concentrated there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a different path here, and I'm going to say mining. I think mining is a very uh, elegant and pervasive metaphor, but I think it misidentifies what ha- what's happening in such a way that it's like, oh, to find a Bitcoin takes so much energy. This is unsustainable. When really what's happening is we're broadcasting the entire blockchain through all of these mining nodes yeah. uh, that 
have a combined hash and that is necessary and, and that's um you know I, I was a big bit torrenter you know you have your uh your seeds your cedars and your leechers you know always a leecher um did you seed oh yeah well you know on oink on the really good ones you had to seed a certain amount yeah. to remain in good i would sta- do that yeah, yeah, yeah and that i think that's a really like uh, a civil way to handle the world yeah. you know take as much as you give seed and uh, in the case of bitcoin which you could say is maybe even more elegant than the blockchain, in my personal opinion. Everyone's just doing this kind of voluntary seeding, maybe to get their account reps up so they can download more stuff or whatever. In the case of Bitcoin, we basically have to pay people to broadcast all of that stuff, and we pay them in the mined coins they get. But I feel like mining as the metaphor makes it seem frivolous in a way that it's actually quite necessary. Uh, Okay. I agree with that. I will say, I, I think of the things that I cared about uh, maintaining a good reputation on, that uh, my ratio on Oink's Palace was like one of the things where if it Definitely. went under a certain number, I would start freaking out. I'd you know like, how oh, they're, no, they're going to kick me off. You know how they have those um, systems in China now where they like rank each citizen based on like their like rank and descent and yeah. like their job and everything. And it's basically their sort of like standing sure. in society. I've never felt like my my standing was like more judged than when I got like banned from Oink for not seating enough. Oh, you got banned? Yeah, because I had this problem because like I had like a proxy in my Wi Fi like, like, and it wasn't download- counting. Oh, oh, it wasn't because you like downloaded some like massive discount. No, no, it was because like it wasn't counting my seating. It was it was a disaster. Oink's Palace really was like the Utah. I think it, we've discussed it before on the show, but it really was like the best the internet has ever been. I think. I, I mean, outside except for the musicians who were getting ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know a lot of musicians who really liked it too, and there was a lot of rare music that is like lost yeah, to the world yeah, now. Yeah. It's not on it. Yeah. Okay, this is from Eric. Uh, hey, Aaron and Jay, I've noticed you guys talk about the different worldviews and futures that both Bitcoin and Ethereum envision, and I think I've got a pretty clear picture of what kind of a future Bitcoin maximalists believe in, based on what you guys have discussed. But I'm much less certain about what future believers in Ethereum envision. This is a this is a real uh, this is a real question. Can you spell out what the eth believers want for the next ten or twenty years in crypto to look like? Is there a cohesive philosophical narrative behind eth the way there seems to be with Bitcoin? Well, Joe Wiesenthal, our friend, yeah. uh, once said that he felt like the difference is between Bitcoin and Ethereum is that like Bitcoin is like a safety anomalous, a guy who only eats meat and is like very bullish on economic systems and libertarianism. And the Ethereum guy is like somebody who's sipping coffee in Berlin, you know, and has like a kind of wonky vision for how the future should organize itself technologically. I still think that's a useful metaphor. You know, I think that Ethereum people are much more about trying to replace what exists right now and make it better. Whereas Bitcoin maximalists are more about tearing everything down to the ground and starting over again. So like, for example, even like the dApp space, right, which we uh, have been involved in having spent the last two episodes talking about Augur, it's not an attempt to replace and create a new type of political science. It is literally just a way to build prediction markets in a decentralized sort of way. And I think that that is somewhat indicative that in the future, if everything is running on Ethereum, do you really think that your phone, your ETH phone or your Vitalik phone or whatever the fuck it's going to be called, do you think it'll look that much different than your phone does right now? 
I think that you're right to say that Bitcoin maximalism is more of like a real world libertarian takeover. And it feels to me like Ethereum maximalism is a takeover of the internet and our digital lives. Sure. It says how much of our lives are lived digitally that potentially Ethereum is the more radical idea. It's an idea that I, I first encountered around Facebook. There was this idea that Facebook would eventually be everything. It would be your identity and it would be your bank account and it would be your social connections and your phone and your contacts and everything. And I think that promise is pretty dead. Like, I don't think anyone is like, I can't wait till Facebook controls more of my life. Well, I mean, unless you on live Facebook. in one of these countries where the entire internet is provided by Facebook. Fair, fair game, yeah. fair, fair play. So I think that when we imagine the Ethereum maximalist world, we should imagine an internet that's like a giant supercomputer that we live all of our parts of our lives through. And you can either imagine that as a radical change, or we also discussed that in the context of if it's just money on your phone, maybe it doesn't even feel that different than it feels now. But we are doing things like what we did on Augur and making bets with smart contracts that are held in this digital escrow. What's the update on our bets? Well, I have some bad news about that. I oh, know. So the good news is Ethereum is tanked since we made that bet, and <laughs> the chance of yes has gone down. And so our bet, we could cash out now with a tidy little profit. We could. The bad news is that my node on Infura will not will not sink past 78%, so I can't log in to cash out. <laughs> so we're basically locked out of Augur by the chain right What a now. great prediction market. Like yes. you can put money in, but then it'll the, the entire system will crash and you can't you can't actually profit. You need to hedge by putting some sort of a bet about like whether you'll be able to log in into Augur in it's the like, future. It's like Bernie made up being like, Oh, I've been away from it, the internet for a while. I'm taking <laughs> a break in St. Kitts. <laughs> wow, that's terrible. Um just ask you a question, Aaron. Like, uh, let's say, would, do you think that Ethereum maximalists want sort of a quiet, seamless takeover, or do you think they want like sort of a disruptive event where everybody has, like, where people announce, "Hey, we're going to Ethereum," or do you think they just want to quietly create better versions of the things that we have now, so that you know, slowly the apps on your phone will become Ethereum-based, decentralized? applications here's how i imagine ethereum maximalists are like playing the movie of ethereum in their own minds yes i think it's heavily influenced by silicon valley and that the assumption is at some point if you visit san francisco you start seeing some weird ethereum stuff happening in the background and you can go to like an ethereum casino and make bets and there's ethereum like bars and games and futuristic <laughs> delivery. Like you start seeing a little Ethereum getting used and it seems really goofy and clunky and people make fun of it all over the country, just like they made fun of Uber and other like various things that like started in San Francisco. And then eventually it starts spreading and it just seamlessly becomes part of your life in a way where it's like, oh, I can't believe we ever got along without smartphones. I think people who really believe in Ethereum believe it'll just become central to our entire financial lives in that way. Sure. Do you believe that will happen? I don't really see, like, I understand the amusement park metaphor. I'm unclear what's happening in the amusement park that's luring all the children in. Yeah, I don't know what's new. Like, what's the new Superman ride that they're that they're doing? Well, it really hinges on, okay, so you give people the smartphone and it makes something like Uber, Uber possible. That's like a new kind of experience. 
So we just tried auger, and we can't sync our fucking node, so we can't kill our bet. So it's not working very well. But let's just pretend it does work really well, and all these kind of things work really well. Are there some developments with smart contracts and these kind of financial, like, programmed financial moves that are so new that they create Ubers and indispensable things in our lives? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I like, I, it, you know, I think that the Toshi ecosystem that Brian Armstrong was touting a while back, you know, uh, is would there be a uh, sort of decentralized version of Twitter or something like that, sure. that that might end up working that would ensure better anonymity, stuff like that? Sure. I mean, I, I can see it. I mean, I don't, you know, I think at this point, there's so much bad feeling that's associated with technology where you have all these people like Chamath from Facebook coming out and saying like, hey, you know, I wish I hadn't done that, you know? Yeah. And look, I don't fully take those types of statements in good faith. Like, I think those people are probably trying to figure out what's next or getting people ready to when they announce what's next. But uh, I do think that the sort of angst that they're discussing is real. And so I don't think that we'll take a step back technologically and like go super Luddite, although I think some people will probably do that, maybe myself, you know. But so I do think that there probably is a space where technology radically changes in terms of like what we do while staring at these small screens. And if Ethereum is part of that, then I would not be surprised, honestly. I mean, I'd be much less surprised of that than I would be of like a Bitcoin takeover of the currency of a country. We have to imagine a future in which a lot of stuff is automated, like self-driving cars that smart route and like you just step in and out of them and they like charge you based on some sort of overall grid efficiency. Like you have to imagine that not only is all that stuff coming, but there's going to be an extremely low friction, low like low fee economy of it. And I'm not totally convinced that that is going to happen. I imagine more it'll be sloppy US dollar based, but the most optimal way to run that system is as this one giant supercomputer. Um, I don't know if we're capable of making it or whether we really want it, but like for instance, I shop at Whole Foods and I buy most of the products I buy on Amazon. And I have an Amazon credit card, which gets me 5% off at Whole Foods. I am like, have committed as much of my like retail revenue as possible. Do you read possible the Washington Post? To, and I don't, I don't have a subscription to the Washington Post. But what I'm saying is, of the money I spend for a year, I might spend, be spending a third of it directly with Amazon. That's a kind of like a closed financial system much in the way that I think F maximalists believe the Ethereum future. Will okay, exist. so I have a question for you then. If yeah. you could invest in a Amazon coin yes. that allowed you to spend it on all Amazon products, and that this would allow you like a three percent discount, would you buy a ton of that coin? I basically do by using the credit card, which gets you a five percent discount. Yeah, but I don't have to pre-buy. However, to finish your metaphor off, that five percent is not cash back it's an amazon credit oh it's an amazon which credit. is automatically logged in your account and then you can spend only on amazon.com so even if you earn credit by shopping at whole foods the only thing you can do with that credit is spend it in your amazon account yeah uh, you're kind of like bring up this nightmarish company store type so of <laughs> i would say banana republic i would say like scenario here if if you really imagine ethereum maximalist world ethereum is competing with like amazon bucks
Yeah, I mean, I look in that in that or or Amazon just decides to convert their own thing to Ethereum or something. And, like and I am bullish on Amazon bucks. Okay, well then, why? Maybe we should buy Ethereum. Um, I have been slowly buying Ethereum. Or have you been able to do that despite the problems with Hawker? So I've um, I've just no. All I've been slowly been doing is. Whenever Ethereum crashes, I sell a little tiny bit of Bitcoin and buy a little tiny bit of Ethereum. Oh, fair. So I'm now like more like I was at more like seventy percent Bitcoin and ten percent Ethereum. I'm closer to like sixty percent, twenty five percent now. I didn't know that. So if you're wondering who the eth maximalist in the room is, it's me. Yeah, I was wondering why you're supporting it. Why you, you were wondering why I have that full body Vitalik poster there? <laughs> well, I wasn't worried about that. But I was wondering why your why your stance towards Ethereum based projects was changing on the show. Buy ETH. I just assumed that you had like a secret contract with one of the with like <laughs> consensus or something like that that you didn't tell me about. No, I actually think the two things that happened is Ethereum shot the bed, so it seemed cheap. And I used it for the first time in Augur, and I was like, oh, well, that was not a great experience, but it's more than I've done with anything else. That's true. Should we do one more question before we get out of Let's here? Let's do one more question, yeah. Okay, let's pick a good one. Um, this one is just about Star Trek. Thanks for the Star Trek one. This is just a guy who thinks, Saifedean, I should have been harder on Saifedean. Was that me? <laughs> was that you? <laughs> you felt that way? No, no. Tell, no. Me, tell me what you really think, No, I've, I wasn't there for the second half of the interview. I was only there for the first half where he was being unfriendly. So. I, I generally get pushed around pretty easily by libertarians. I'm kind of afraid <laughs> of them. I'm worried about them like calling me like a like cuck or whatever. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. J- Jay and Aaron and team, sorry if you've already covered this, but I think a great topic to cover would be software slash hardware wallets, exchanges, and general stuff that you find useful or like personally. Obviously, without being too specific, so you guys don't get hacked again. Ha ha ha. Holding crypto is such muddy waters, especially when starting out, so I think you guys can give some great pros, cons of popular stuff. I feel like we've slowly addressed this topic over time, but like my honest response, I'm interested in yours, is like, if you're a beginner, I would buy coins on Coinbase and leave them on Coinbase. Uh, Radical, bold, terrible idea, I'm telling you. Not investment advice, not coin security advice, just lazy man's advice here. Yeah, it depends what you want to do with it. If you want to day trade crypto, then, you know, it's a pain in the ass and you have to pay transaction fees to download and, you know, to a wallet and then put it back on the network. So, sure, if you want to do what some people that I know did and buy at a decent price and hold for five years and just forget about it, and that's probably a bad system. Yeah. Um, I will say that to this date, Coinbase has not been hacked, right? They have a lot of money to cover a potential hack unless it's for everything. And too. that uh, them not covering you is catastrophic to them. Catastrophic. And that there are a lot of people with deep, deep pockets that would love in the event of a hack to buy up Coinbase's problems uh, at a discount price. That said, you still p- could personally get hacked and Coinbase won't cover that. Like if someone like gets like owns your phone, like gets on into your phone and like resets the two factor authorization and just gets into your account, they won't cover that. They'll cover like all of Coinbase gets hacked. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think that there's a good. I, I think the answer to this is that there's no great opsec answer to any of this, right? Like, uh, there's there's nothing that other than like sort of buying space in that vault, which I assume that our listener and you and I certainly don't have the resources to do. 
Um, if you're listening to the show and you have Bitcoin in the Xapo, the Zappo vault, uh, send us an email. Hi at CoinTalk.show. We'd or, love to talk to you. Or about please it. sponsor the show. Just, please, <laughs> just, just kick it. Come on. Yeah, I was to say, if there's one mega whale out there who listens to this show, would you just like sponsor the show for your entertainment? Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put out. We'll all do like private. We'll takes. do. We'll do weird private episodes for you. <laughs> yeah, a little exactly. bit creepy. A little creepy. But. <laughs> Podcast guys. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna just zag here and say I think. For the average person, a rational choice would be to buy Bitcoin on Coinbase and put it into the Coinbase cold storage, the like deep storage version of cold of Coinbase. They yeah. have that? Yeah, they have like a cold wallet. Oh, right? I know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like a week like delay or something if you want to withdraw it. And it's just like, just do that. Yeah. You're going to like, oh, yes, it's great to have a ledger. I have like a ledger, but you could lose that. You could like fat finger and on up, you know, screw up using it. I just think like most people know how to use a password and a lot of people know how to use two factor authorization. Get yourself really well set up and at least start there. Like, don't, start don't on your first week go trying to transfer Bitcoin from Coinbase onto your ledger. And if you're worried about the money that you would lose, and you don't have a good OPSEC plan, yeah. and losing that amount of money would be catastrophic to you, don't put that much amount of money into crypto. That actually is investment advice. Uh, that is that is investment advice, and that's uh, investment advice that I agree with. And it sounds like in the next year, you'll probably be able to invest in products that you can give you exposure to Bitcoin in exactly the same way without you having to deal with any of this stuff. So I think it would be totally fair to say also like, if this feels too risky for you, just don't do it because you'll be able to do it in a less risky way in the future. Agreed. All right. See you next week. Yes. All right. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Thursday, July 31st at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $7,698. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, that was the Coin Talk number two mailbag show. Thanks to our editor, James Nicholson. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. Thanks to my co-host, Jay Kang. Uh, thanks to our partners over at Medium. You can find all of our episodes at medium.com slash cointalk. You can write us an email, hi at cointalk.show. We'll be back quite soon. Thank you.